Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. A reading from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. Let us listen to God's word. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You should not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident aliens in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. The word of the Lord. Uh, so uh, we are blessed um, to always have so many um, gifted and thoughtful people in our um, community. And so this morning we have a great um, a great joy and honor of hearing from John Shanko, who um, has, he and his wife, uh, his wife, Alyssa, here. Um, <laughs> he and his wife, Alyssa, and his son, Marcus, have been part of the community. Um, and John is currently a, um, a doctoral student um, in theology at theology, ethics, ethics um, at the uh, University of Chicago Divinity School. So uh, welcome, John, <laughs> to the pulpit. Good morning. So this summer, this... Uh, Fair point. <laughs> this summer, this sort of Sabbath from school, I've been privileged to be a stay-at-home dad. And I'll tell you, I am ready and waiting and wanting to go back to school. <laughs> I love being home with Marcus, and honestly, now that he's doing half days in preschool, I'm struggling more with the transition than he is. Uh, but still, I've got this itch to be getting back to the university life. So U of C's reputation is that professors are not so much demanding as that they are sadistic in the amount of work they assign. Uh, but I've never met in my entire life any boss or professor or client or student as demanding as my three-year-old. <laughs> More importantly, I've never met anyone in my life whose requests and needs are so constant. I've never met anyone in my life whose needs I want to constantly supply. Now, part of that is knowing that this radical dependence on dad and mom is not going to last forever. And someday, he's going to go off on his own. <laughs> Maybe it will. <laughs> Prayers. Um, someday, we hope, he'll go off on his own, right? So I don't know how long he's still going to want me to hold his hand while he's walking, kiss his owies, sing him a good night song, turn his underwear around when he puts it on backwards pick his wedgies even when he does it right. Um, and even when he cons me into taking him to robust coffee shop for a donut, I wonder to myself how much longer the price of sitting and chatting with dad is going to be worth the so sweet taste of chocolate frosting 
topped with a sprinkle of emotional manipulation. <laughs> but I'm ready to go back to school. <laughs> Much as I've loved being home with Marcus, I need a break. The occasional peace I get from the constant barrage of infinite energy packaged in all too finite bursts of attention uh, that I get from letting him play Angry Birds or watch Taylor Swift videos on YouTube uh, or an episode or six of Daniel Tiger, <laughs> like the number one all-star father of the year that I am. Uh, they just aren't enough anymore to preserve my sanity. I need time to think. I need time to ponder, to explore philosophical positions. I need time to close read, to write, and to critique. These things are part of me feeling fully me. And I'm antsy when I can't do them. In other words, I need to go do some work to find some rest. Now, the idea that going back to work can be restful, even rejuvenating, seems at first to be pretty contrary to our normal's ideas about what work and rest, labor days and Sabbath days mean. Our scripture for this morning at first glance seems to make these things pretty separate, opposites even. The verse is pretty straightforward, right? Six days you shall work and do all your tasks. The seventh day, the Sabbath day, you rest and you let everybody else around you rest. Your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, oxen, and even those immigrants who do the crappy jobs that real Israelites won't take, they get to rest too. In the community where Alyssa and I grew up, it was frowned upon to do things even resembling work on Sunday. I remember a big controversy ensued when the English teacher at our denominational high school was seen cutting his own grass with a riding mower on a Sunday. Now, it's not quite Orthodox Jewish where you had to cook Sabbath meals before sundown the day before, but things like going out to brunch, shopping, for some, even watching football was frowned upon. Now, even if in watching football you weren't yourself working, you were making someone else work on the Sabbath. Now, on most Sundays in the fall, how many people do you know, me being at least one of them, head out from church or skip church entirely and immediately plop down on the couch with snacks and a beer and are an accessory to the breaking of the Sabbath. Now, maybe for you, it's not football. Maybe it's brunch. The retreat from your labor comes at the bottom of a glass of bottomless mimosas. Maybe your rest comes in going for a run or a swim, ultimate frisbee or pumping iron. I don't understand you people. Uh, <laughs> Where the physical exertion across a field or in a gym, in many ways, mirrors the physical strain that our passage commands against in the context of a farming society dubiously gifted with some of the rockiest soil in the world. So, are we all just hopeless Sabbath breakers? Is the only way to keep the Sabbath to unplug and totally disconnect from the world? Some of you may be saying, yes, amen, head to the mountains, breathe the fresh air, get some solitude, get back to basics, push away all the noise so that we can hear God's whispers on the wind. Some of you, like Alyssa back there, are maybe saying that being alone is literally the most stressful thing that you can imagine. <laughs> some of you maybe saw Pastor Emily's email this week where she talked about our light-up rectangular bricks 
and ask the question about when we need to unplug and renew ourselves and thought to yourself, man, I feel renewed every time that Facebook app refreshes. I think the point to be made here is that rest looks different to different people at different times. What it means to unplug from our daily labor and tasks doesn't come in the form of doing something or not doing something, this day or that day. Indeed, sometimes rest comes in the form of forming deeper and stronger connections with another human being. Sometimes it comes in the form of totally zoning out. Sometimes rest comes in doing some figurative Netflix and chilling, <laughs> getting away from our media-saturated uh, selves and getting intimate with our deepest loves and the God that binds us. And sometimes rest can come in the form of literally Netflix and chilling, where we sit on the couch and let that media saturate every neuron of our brains. Now we have to be careful that this idea of rest that is different for different people at different times isn't just a justification from the life that we live in our modern and mediated capitalist context. And that I'm reading back onto what is a biblically pretty straightforward command. But I think thinking through how to make this command feasible and practical for our modern lives is in the best tradition of our spiritual commitments. Now Jesus said as much to the Pharisees when they questioned him about his disciples keeping or in their minds, not keeping the Sabbath. The Pharisees are so often thought of as these guys in the Bible that nitpicked and made all kinds of minute rules to overburden people. But honestly, in this case, I think they were the ones who made the Sabbath law just a little bit lighter, a bit more common sense, by granting some exceptions and not granting others, and indeed not as many as Jesus would like. Indeed, if we just take the law of the Sabbath and of rest, as Jean read it from Deuteronomy this morning, Jesus loses the argument. It's a command. Rest. Don't do work. It doesn't specify these tasks as okay and these as not. Now, some people want to say that the command is about production and non-production in terms of an economy, but I think the passage is pretty clear. It says you have six days for all your tasks, productive or non. Still, in Matthew 12, the Pharisees call Jesus out and say that he and his disciples don't keep the Sabbath. He and his disciples walk through a field and gather some grain to eat. For all intents and purposes, this is exactly and specifically what the passage in Deuteronomy is trying to prevent. Later on in the passage, they question him about his healing of a man on the Sabbath. These are both work. I mean, when a doctor goes in to heal on the Sabbath, there's no real way of saying, that's not work. Just check your insurance bill. Now, Jesus doesn't say in the passage, well, you know, I'm on flex time Sabbath. You know, I'm not working today, but I promise that I'm going to make sure that I'm going to take my Sabbath rest on Monday. Jesus doesn't negotiate. He doesn't get technical and say, well, this is service industry and not true manual labor. He doesn't play their technicality, legal interpretation game. Rather, Jesus points back to the spirit of the Sabbath, to its reason for being in the first place. After he heals on the Sabbath, he says very clearly, the Sabbath was made 
for human beings, not human beings for the Sabbath. Well, my bold, inclusive, and relevant family, it shouldn't be news to us that while we are all commonly human, God's will for us is not to find the lowest common denominator and erase our differences, meet our singular common need. It means celebrating those things that make us distinct, that give us personality, that make us fully human. And that means also that we need to rest in distinct and individual ways. Healing, producing, running, sleeping, TV, Facebook, tweeting, Snapchat, although I don't really know what that is. Uh, we can find rest in all of these things. And at the same time, we can be a slave to all of these things. Rest, I think, is an individual attitude more than it is an action. But John, you might say, doesn't Deuteronomy tell us that the Sabbath is a day holy unto the Lord? That our rest is not for our own sake, but for God's? Well, Jesus clears this up a little bit too. He says, after his disciples and he walked through the field and gathered the grain on the Sabbath, that he, Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. Now what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't here assert his godhood. He doesn't say, I'm God, I made everything I can, and I can do what I want. Rather, he stays consistent. In Matthew, he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man, the human being, the human being with human needs that is also God, is Lord of the Sabbath. And so the Sabbath for Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath, Son of Man, is still concerned with human good. So the question remains, if the Sabbath, if rest, is different things for different people, if I can exert effort, if I can run or read or analyze or do woodworking or construction, and that can be rest. What's the difference between work and rest? Why do we have a command? How can something that drains me like physical activity, like walking through a field, like picking up grain from a field, or even responding to an emotional text or tweet from a friend that is itself a modern form of healing, if that can be Sabbath rest, why do we need the command for six days of labor and one day of rest? More importantly, if that can be keeping the Sabbath, can I ever say no? Can I ever get up to the mountains? Can I ever turn off my ringer or my notifications? Can I put on some Daniel Tiger and pee in peace without hearing daddy? <laughs> or do I just have to suck it up and find the attitude of rest in that? What if I really do just need to sleep and recharge? Family, first of all, let's unplug ourselves from the notion that rest is just about recharging. We don't rest on Sunday so we can work more on Monday. Recharging may be a part of rest and even sometimes a necessary part, but it is not the essence of rest. That's why we can run and party and watch football and take care of the kids or the parents or the bay and be exhausted when we go to work on Monday, but still feel rested. That's why we can sleep all weekend and yet feel unsettled on Monday. The six days labor, one day rest rhythm 
isn't our natural biorhythm. Rather, the six days of labor and one day of rest is a symbol from creation itself. God created the world in six days, six days of animals and plants that would eventually lead to God saying that he would give them to God's last creation, human beings, to meet their needs, to help them live. And on the seventh day, God rested. But the Sabbath rest doesn't begin because God gets tired. Because there is only so much power God can expend. God is infinite. God's power is infinite. While we might need to recharge, God does not. Even when we recharge, it might not truly be rest. How many times have you and I fallen into the coma of exhaustion, recharging because we've literally expended every last bit of energy, because we've nothing left to give, and yet so much to do? This kind of sleep might be a recharge, but it isn't restful. It's restless. We wake up recharged for the work at hand, but deep down, we are weary in our bones. No, rest is not about recharging, not for us, and certainly not for God. Rather, God's rest, God's seventh day, begins when he looks at creation, at the birds, the plants, at human beings, and says, and declares it, it is good. My labor, says God, is good. It has meaning. It has purpose. It is not simply that God is caught up in meeting needs. God takes a step back and says, it is good that those needs are met. God enjoys God's creation. And so Sabbath rest, my family, is not cutting yourself off from distraction. It's not your turn to get your needs met. It's not getting back to basics. I mean, it might take the form of these things. But the essence of rest isn't found in the activity that we do. Any activity may be restful, and any activity might be laborious. Even the same activity at different times. You might go on a run and find the first two miles restful, even blissful, and the third a chore, and then even look back on the whole thing when you're done and feel that it was rest. Rest is that moment when in whatever we do, we take a step back and say to ourselves, it is good. The runner Eric Liddell made famous in the movie Chariots of Fire once said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Liddell isn't denying purpose. He's not denying work. But he's saying that when he runs, he feels God's pleasure. In whatever we do, when we feel God's pleasure, consciously or unconsciously, we affirm with God in that first Sabbath that what we have done is good, and we join in that rest. Now, sometimes, family, we do need to walk away from the labor, turn off the devices, unplugging from the expectation of those Facebook likes and tweets, and the things that we do that can turn to those people and those things, including our own selves, 
They can't do without mindfulness. But sometimes Sabbath rest, that meaning-making, that declaration that you and yours are good to God means going to work, taking the time to heal someone mentally, physically, and spiritually, unplugging from our phones sitting idle on the charger and tweeting a note of encouragement or FaceTiming that friend who needs to look into someone's eyes and know that they are loved or that friend who needs to look into your eyes and remind you that you are loved. We unplug to stay connected to our families and friends, and yes, sometimes we unplug to GPS our way into solitude, to remind ourselves that even without our constant attention, God and God's creation remains good. So family, when the Bible says, rest yourselves and rest your family and rest your animals and let your whole community down to the alien and the stranger, let them rest, don't let the command of rest itself become a burden. Don't let it become an excuse also to unburden yourselves of the needs of others. People can't rest if their needs aren't met. Rather, rest means to include everyone in the knowledge that work for work's sake or even for the sake of providing for everyone's need, while important, is not the essence of life or what makes it meaningful. Rather, rest, Sabbath, is to be comfortable and safe in the knowledge that creation, even with all its perils, is good. That you, with all your faults and your needs, are good. Rest then, family, in the knowledge and the promise that the God who created all, provides for all, looks at you and says, it is good.
Oh. 